No, you are not imagining things. It is not just a figment of your imagination. It is not even your phone glitching. When you looked down and saw that notification and you checked your podcast page, however you happen to listen to them, and you get a little notification that says there's a new edition of the Selbius Godcast, it's real, my friends, and we are here for you. It's TJ Zuppi and Zach Meisel. What's up, bud? What's up is that we are recording this on June 11th, 2020, and 50 years ago on this day, a superstar was born. One. <laughs> yeah. And he goes by the name of, all right, I got to look up his middle name, actually. So hang on. He goes by the name of William Frank Selby. 50th birthday, Bill Selby. Seems like just yesterday he was a young 32-year-old lad taking Mariana Rivera deep. Ah, time flies. I didn't even know his middle name was Frank. Well, yeah, I had to look that up. That's why I needed you to stall there for a second. Oh, okay. So it really is Bill F. in Selby. It's just, it's the F is Frank. Okay. Yeah, just Frank. William Frank Selby. Um, Okay, then. I didn't know people had normal middle names. What it doesn't seem mean? like it's a thing. Like it, Frank doesn't seem like a typical middle name to me. I don't know why. Like Gregory Lomack Allen. Absolutely. Which nice. is, we I asked him about it in spring training. Mandy Bell and I did because we were so curious. And I feel like I call. I feel like behind his back, I called him Lomack all spring. And I needed at some point I was going to ask, and then I think <laughs> I asked one day, and I think he said it was just a family name, and he didn't really know why. So okay. no story there. But that's that's an atypical one. Yeah, but I I just think of middle names as being something you don't typically see as a first name. But, I mean, I kind of break that right off the rip because my middle name is Joseph. And Joseph, I would imagine, is a pretty common name. So I am just full of shit. And we yeah. move on. Did we really come back after a three-week hiatus to talk about middle names? <laughs> this is why people subscribe. This is what they've been missing. Um, I, before we move on to, uh, to other topics for the show, I do want to quickly touch on, we, we've, <laughs> it's, we've said it's Bill Selby's birthday. It's his 50th birthday. It's a big deal. Uh, but we, we don't specifically name the podcast after Bill Selby. I think there's maybe a misconception there. It's not named specifically for Bill Selby. I think it goes a little bit deeper than that or am i just being too philosophical because we haven't talked in a while to me it's like we're 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 talking about the moment of selby conquering uh mariana rivera with the grand slam and the walk-off and it being a guy that is not expected to come through in a situation like that not supposed to have his name etched into the record books as being a guy that that's slammed perhaps one of the greatest, if not the greatest reliever of all time and got after him in a game. It, it, it speaks to maybe more than any other sport and maybe more than of, of what I'm missing about the game of baseball right now is that you have these, these unique moments where the best of the best can get got by the last guy on the bench. And it just doesn't seem like that happens. Do you see Tom Brady getting picked off by the fifth string nickel corner? In, in the NFL in a big game, not 
not off the top of my head, I can't think of situations like that. Um, I guess in basketball, it can happen a little bit more. I mean, you could have Damon Jones step off the bench and have the Cavs advance past the Wizards on a three ball that he hits when he spends three seconds in the game. But it just yeah, but seems that so... was even before the era of superstars in basketball. I mean, now it's it's Kyrie hit the shot, LeBron had the block. I mean, it's that's how it works in the NBA now. But I, I agree with you. I think basically what explains it simply is that created a cult following. And there were fans who had the sign that acts as our logo now. And I think that kind of applies to our podcast too. I mean, there aren't billions of Indians fans in the world. There certainly aren't billions of Indians fans who like to listen to podcasts about the Indians. I mean, it's, it's, it's a healthy audience, but it's compared to other things. I mean, it is a bit of a cult following. And I think to understand the name of the podcast, to maybe <laughs> want to, to want to listen to us blabber about <laughs> Lord knows what middle names for Christ's sake. Um, I think you have to have that cult following type um, of connection. And so I think that's what it is. And you're right. It's more than any other sport. I mean, I think the fact that that moment, I can remember everything about that moment. Um, the Indians were bad. They were terrible. It was right before the all-star break. They were on the verge of, or they had just fired Charlie Manuel. They were terrible. They were headed for a dreaded rebuild. Half the players on the team, we didn't really even know. And it, Bill Selby, we didn't really know. And it was, a, <laughs> it was so inconsequential of a game. And yet, I remember I was sitting in my driveway coming home from something. And we didn't get out of the car because it was the bottom of the ninth. And the bases were loaded. And I remember Tom Hamilton shouting, going crazy when... Selby roped one down the line a couple of pitches earlier and turned out to be a foul ball. Hammy apologized. And then I remember him telling me years later, like nobody ever redeems themselves in the same at bat like that. You figure you have one shot at it, especially against Mariano Rivera. Anyway, the fact that like I can recite all of this speaks to, there are just moments. I mean, there are moments in sports, but especially with baseball and especially given how many games there are in a normal season. Um, there are just so many opportunities for moments that stick with you for Lord knows what reason. And, you know, now who would have thought in 2002 when Bill Selby went up to bat against Mariano freaking Rivera that Selby would create a moment memorable enough to have a podcast named after it <laughs> Yeah, 18 years later, 17 years yeah, later. No kidding. It, it is almost like one giant inside joke with our audience. And that's why I love it. The whole show can't be one big inside joke, though. I would love doing a podcast like that. I understand not everyone's going to get every little reference that we make. And that's the cool thing. Well, I let do me this, ask you this though. I do this for the 3% of people that understand the small <laughs> references that we make throughout the show. That's the thing though. If this, if this was called the Cleveland Indians, uh, baseball almost, podcast there is a podcast actually named <laughs> something pretty close to what i was gonna say but if like if this was named the cleveland indians baseball podcast would we appeal to more people like do you think there have been people who are looking for an indians podcast maybe they come across a different one and it says recommended selby is godcast and they're like i don't know what that means <laughs> yes. and so they just skip over it yes yes i think that has happened that's why i cheated a little bit and added selby is godcast 
dash a Cleveland Indians podcast. Right. I cheated a little bit so it would show up in, in feeds. But to me, it's it's not about the size of the audience. It's the quality of the audience. And I know that maybe maybe we've missed out on a couple of people that didn't subscribe to us because they didn't know what the hell Selby is Godcast is, the fact that it was a baseball podcast or it was about the Cleveland Indians. But the fact that we've got our loyal listeners that love the show, in part because they get that reference, I'll take them over a hundred of those other guys and, and gals any other day. Well, I mean, about a year ago, we took a couple months off and the listeners are so loyal and were begging us and begging us that we relaunched it. I mean, it's they brought it back from the dead. So our, our fans are the druids that <laughs> line the entrance, the walkway when The Undertaker comes out because we we resurfaced because of them. Well, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. And that's where you search Selby as Godcast. And for those of you that don't know what the hell this is, welcome. Uh, we basically do this for an hour every single episode. We don't really talk about anything pertinent regarding the sport of baseball or what's actually happening. We just Did you bullshit. know Bill Selby wore number 60 in the year 2000 when he appeared <laughs> in, in 30 games for the 2000. Indians? He's not aware of that, and the rest of the show will just be random Bill Selby facts. That seems like such a strange number for a position player to wear. 60. Yeah. I mean, pitchers for sure. Relievers, absolutely. You can see a guy out there wearing number 60. Position yeah, if it's players. like a September call-up reliever. Sure. Yeah, and, and you know, it kind of bugs me. First of all, we've never, I don't think we've ever had this conversation, and I've got a list right in front of me of all the things I want to talk about on today's show, and I'm just going to rip that up because – we're not, we never get to what we actually intend to talk about. Is there such a thing as an ugly baseball number? And yes, absolutely. is there such a thing as an appealing baseball number? Yes. David Justice with 23. It was just, that's how it was supposed to be. Um, I loved the number 23 because of him, not because of Michael Jordan. Um, yeah, I have a Cavs jersey uh, that's Derek Anderson, number 23. I'm the only person in probably in existence that has a Cavs 23 jersey that's not LeBron James. I mean, anytime, <laughs> anytime you see an old highlight, well, I guess there weren't very many, but if you ever see a highlight with Jeff Juden pitching for the Indians and the dude's like seven foot 12 and he's wearing number seven, Ugh. I just, I, I scream. Yeah, yeah. I've never, never been a fan of the single digit pitcher. Uh, numbers, but I absolutely think there are certain numbers that are appeal aesthetically pleasing to the eye, and there are some that just are completely ugly. The number uh, twenty-one feels off balance to me. Yeah, uh, I, I I agree. Um, the fact that Oscar Mercado has not shifted off of thirty-five. Mm. Thirty-five, right? That's his number. I don't think that that's if a pitcher. That if you are a position player that. Now, maybe it has some, uh, some personal uh, connection to him, and I'm talking out of my ass. I don't know. But I figure the, you, you've, uh, you've stepped onto the scene. You don't have to wear that rookie number anymore. You can wear whatever you want. Wear something uh, that, that, that anybody would love to wear. I don't know. Find something more appealing. This is totally off the rails now, but it is a thing. There are some numbers I look at, like 38. Ugh. 
Who would wear a 38? That looks terrible. That's like Joe Smith's social media handles, too. It is. The 3-8. That is. Um, I, I don't like... Better for a pitcher. Position player? Oof. That would yeah. be rough for a position player wearing 38. I get what you're saying, though. Like, it took me a long time to get used to wide receivers wearing numbers in the teens. Um, it still bothers me a little bit in college when you can basically just wear any number you want. And you have, like... Uh, offensive like linemen wearing 80s like <laughs> or like a running back wearing the number four like, I, uh, that stuff bugs me um or a quarterback wearing the number 20 huh uh no, no. bernie kozar didn't he wear 20 am i thinking correctly why did i think he wore 19 oh god this is not a good look It's just a race to see who can. He wore 19, man. Get out of here. Okay, who wore 20 in college? Was that? Oh, maybe in college. No, yeah, yeah. In, yeah, in, you're right. In college, he wore 20. Get out of here. Yeah. It, no, it, it's. You're right. That's, that looks weird. Okay. There are what numbers. Did you that... actually, what did you actually <laughs> there numbers talk that look about? good, and there's numbers that, that looks bad. Um, I did want to talk about things that we miss about the game of baseball. And there are a lot of obvious ones. I mean, just the sport, period. Um, and we'll get to some draft thoughts coming up and, and some negotiating about where they're at. And it, it seems like eventually, I mean, according to all reports, it seems like the game of baseball is going to be back in some form. We don't know exactly all the details, but everyone is seemingly putting out there good feelings that it's going to happen and we're going to get baseball of some sort this year. But have you had time to just reflect on all the things you miss about the game and not necessarily stuff that are obvious. I mean, yes, I, I just miss the crack of the bat and yeah, I miss watching strikeouts and, and home runs and all that other three true outcome nonsense that all the old people hate. Uh, but there are, there are smaller things within the sport that I, that I truly miss that I'm realizing now that I miss as this, this has gone on a, a year so far without, without baseball. Yeah, I, it's interesting, like, I've never gotten to experience summer. <laughs> it's been really weird, because the day I graduated from college, I think the next day, I went to the ballpark and covered a game. And so I'm thinking, like, when have I ever been an adult and, like, had... I could play golf like during the week in June like that. It, it's so weird. And, and so I've been thinking more and more as the summer has unfolded or the spring or whatever, um, just about like the little things throughout the day when you're covering a game that, that you do miss that you forget about. Um, you know, it, it's, there's something about like just walking into the ballpark now I'm late like 90% of the time, so I don't usually get to enjoy this. But like there is something special about just like walking into the ballpark, you know, for a 7 o'clock game, we get there at 2.30 or so. And like if you're not in a rush and your pants are falling down while you sprint to the clubhouse. It's not a problem if you're wearing two belts. (laughs) Shout out to Hoinsey. You just like walking in. And we walk in through basically like the left field, media entrance in left field. 
just like walking in and like seeing the ballpark nobody like there's nobody there it's just like do you know what i'm talking about like this this peaceful feeling it's just like yeah, it's, it's just like the nicest setting you can imagine on a sunny day and like the field might be empty there might be like a groundskeeper hosing it down or something like but when there's like not much going on yet it's so it's just like serenity now and I miss that. I miss the simple things like that that you really take for granted, I think, during the grind, which is easy to do. You're covering a game every single day for eight months. You don't know what city you're in, what day of the week it is. But now I sit here, I yearn for baseball, and I'm like, man, like just that simple thing of walking in to the ballpark in the yeah, afternoon I- or on a morning when it's a day game, like a Sunday morning. And you're just like standing on the field and it's 9.30 a.m. and like nobody's there yet. So peaceful. And those Sunday morning games have a different feel than like the Wednesday, Thursday afternoon games. Because Wednesday, Thursday, you still have everybody downtown in a normal setting where they're working and doing whatever they do. But Sunday, everyone's just, it's so much more relaxed. And and there are times where you don't even have uh, normal access in the morning. Maybe you're not even talking to the manager that morning. So it's just a lot more chill. Um, you might see a random player. Usually it's Tyler Naquin, poor guy out rehabbing and running wind sprints in the outfield or something uh, because he's played the game so hard that he has destroyed his body again. <laughs> um, you, you have those sorts of situations. There's also something, and I think we've talked about this before with, one of the things I think Terry Francona has, has always been really good at, no, no matter what you consider his shortcomings to be, his ability to never let a panic situation feel like that, uh, his ability to every day make it so it's like a, a, you, you've hit the reset button a bit, um, even when things just went crazy the night before or the day before. There's also just a a calm, you know, you leave the ballpark the night before, maybe it was a bad loss and you were in the locker room and players are very down and, and, and perhaps upset and you just probably had to write some something awful about a performance. And, but when you come back the next day, it's, it's like everything has been washed away. There's just a newness every day about the sport. And, and you kind of take for granted the, the way that the schedule just lays out in, in a way that you just get set in this routine where it, it is that everyday mentality. You, you just build your life when you do it, what we do, you do what, what the players do. And I think to some extent, what the fans do too, you build your entire life, your entire night. Maybe you're thinking at work as, as things wrap up about, you know, how you're going to uh, engage in that game coming up later that night. You're just the, as you've said before, the sport is just the, the heartbeat, the lifeblood of, of summer. And it's always mm-hmm. there. It's always beating it. And, and so it, it has made this such a weird, uh, such a weird time to, to try to adapt around something you're just so, so used to. And, and I, I really wonder what this is going to look like if and when baseball does come back. Are we going to see some people have said that you know, the sport's going to it's like it's going to be Super Bowl Sunday. You know, everyone's going to be tuning in to watch any game they can because. We just haven't had this in a while. Maybe there's going to be some element of that, but I'm also maybe somewhat skeptical. Have people's lives changed in such a way that they're not so dependent on that? Is it going to take a while to warm back up to to planning your whole night around this? Is, is there a section of people that have come to 
appreciate the fact that they don't feel like they have to sit down and watch a baseball game every single night. You know, these are things that I, I just wonder about. But when we come back to things you miss about the sport, there, there are, are just parts of your life that you just kind of get into a routine. And I joked when, when you brought this up in a text a few weeks ago, just as something you want to talk about in the future. One of the first things I thought of is, you know, you and I both in like the fifth or sixth innings almost instinctively get up and go get a, a, a hot cup of tea at the ballpark. Mm-hmm. And it's just point, you know, you're not even thinking about it. You're just like, Oh, yep. It's time to go get uh, a tea. Cause I don't need a coffee this late, uh, but a tea sounds great. And you just get up and you go do it. And it's just part of your nightly routine. And it, it got to be, it's obviously not a big issue, but it got to be a point where my wife is going to the store and say, Hey, pick up some, some tea so I can get myself, I can make myself a, a cup of hot tea every single night. Cause I miss that part of, of, uh, of being around the ballpark and something that you're just doing every single night. So it, I think it even extends beyond the obvious. Uh, well, I miss seeing a, the break of an 86 mile per hour slider after a, a fastball just came in at 97 up and in and, and seeing the hitter try to react to that. You know, there are things that we know we miss, but I think there's parts of this that we don't even think about that we've probably missed. Yeah, I, I miss the games, especially on the road, when the crowd is either so quiet or just sparse that you can hear Tom Hamilton's call when someone strikes out. <laughs> and you just hear that swing and a miss, and, and it's like he's three booths down, but everybody in the vicinity can hear it. It's great. I miss... The smell, even now with all the local eateries being represented in Progressive Field, there's still that distinct smell that I think it's just hot dogs, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> what you know? Like, I don't know how I to hope describe the smell, but I think it's just like <laughs> hot dogs and onions, maybe. Uh, um, yeah, it just always smells so good. And then you go and you hunt for the food, and it like never looks or tastes quite as good as it smelled, and or you can never find what you think you smelled. Um, which sounds like a really weird yeah. sentence to say out of context. It's a but... weird game show. <laughs> but... It's kind of this. Is, what you're describing is also kind of like having an infant around. The house. Uh, that's, I was wondering if you were going to take it there. Yeah. <laughs> is is that what I think I smell? Um, but I just like the oh, the summer nights at the ballpark. It's. You're right. It becomes such a routine. I mean, I, I certainly miss Marriott points, and I, I like exploring <laughs> the the road God, cities. You selfish son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> I miss, you know, one thing, and I think we may have touched on this early in the pandemic, like, I hope all the eateries that we go to on the road are doing okay. It's one thing to be able to support local, but yeah, it's hard to support you know, yeah, you're not wild you're not ginger che- in Seattle. <laughs> you're not sending checks to slows. I don't think I would. Uh, although I, 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 I would consider that, I think. Um, but, but and just the routine too. I mean, it, it's, I know what we do is obviously different than a fan, just attending the ballpark. Um, I'm sure people are missing the corner. They're missing building their beer pyramids or pyramids. Um, you know, I miss, Watching the mad dash once the stupid train whistle blows and they open the gates and you have, I don't know, 50 or 60 people sprint as fast as they can to the right field corner to try to reserve a spot at the drink rails. 
Um, I miss standing, little things. standing at the pizza place as they're looking at me and I'm looking at them and they say they can't serve me <laughs> until the whistle blows. And I'm thinking, really? Like, I'm standing right here, so I'll just wait here casually. Okay, the whistle blew. Okay, now I can talk to you. Yeah, I certainly miss that. Um, there's just I an miss- element of... Well, I was going to say there's an element of, you know, we don't, you and I and, and all the people that we work with, we don't get to see each other now. And, you know, that's for us well, personally. Well, part of that is that you also, live in Kentucky. <laughs> the, and yes, I do love that I sent, or I, I posted something on social media that had Louisville in the title and you immediately thought it was Louisville, Kentucky. Um, that's great. Um, but I was thinking for fans too, how many... How many friendships have been built around um, yeah. people that go to the ballpark and they only see each other? And when I just, I'm not even just talking younger people, you know, people with season tickets and people that maybe have relationships with their usher that's always there or the beer vendor that's always there. People, they just, every summer, you just knew you were going to see that guy or that girl. And you just haven't. And you don't have a way of connecting. It's like, you know, your whole friendship is built around being at the ballpark. So you don't necessarily have a reason to reach out. You know, if they're not on social media, if you're not on social media or you're not texting or whatever, it's just your friendship is built around being at the ballpark and, and you're not seeing those people. And I'm sure when this eventually gets to the point where people can be back at the ballpark, that's going to be such a, a fun experience for, for people that will see someone they haven't seen in a very long time and they weren't, they weren't ready for that. So I was even just thinking about those sorts of connections. You know, for us, we see the same people working. We see the same people working in the press box every single year. And you form, you know, friendships and relationships with those people. And we haven't got to see any of them. So it, it goes even beyond just the sport, you know, the connections you built just from being around the ballpark every single day. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking recently about, there was an old man I wrote about, Ron Ackman, who three years ago was 92 years old um, and attended games all the time still with his season tickets. He had one season ticket for himself and one for his wife who had died, I think, in 1998. And for 20-plus years, he still went to every game, kept that seat open, but knew everybody in his section, knew the ushers, knew the other fans who were regulars. And every couple innings, a, new, a fan in that section would occupy that seat, keep him company, talk to him. Like, people like that, not that they need baseball to survive, but you're right. It's such a big part of their lives. And it's such a, you know, kind of like I was saying with, like, just, like, the peaceful setting when you walk into the ballpark in the afternoon. It's, it's not, I hate the word escape because we use that too much, but it's like that. It's just that oasis you can go to and you know you it's it's such a constant every year and to yeah, not well, have I mean, it is is you don't know what to do with yourself i think it's even beyond uh friendships and connections you form at the ballpark you know there are there are maybe an there's an older generation here especially now in the the way uh this pandemic has taken over the world where you have an, an older group of people that maybe haven't been able to leave their house, maybe haven't been able to see loved ones. And part of their nightly routine and, and something that, that they really looked forward to was welcoming Matt Underwood and Rick Manning into their living room every single night. 
And you know, despite the fact that Matt and Rick aren't there, they feel like, you know, they're sitting there right, right there with them. And, and maybe <laughs> I know we make fun of ourselves on this podcast quite a bit and rightfully so, but I think there's even an element to you and I, you know, we don't, you know, we don't uh, do this podcast in the same way we would if there was a season going on. So maybe we're not uh, spending time with, with people that enjoy sitting back and listening to us in the same sort of way that, that they would if there was a season going on. And I, I miss being able to discuss elements of the game, both good and bad, and, and having those people kind of along for the ride with us. Yeah, it, it really is a journey. I think that's it's more than any other sport. I mean, I think part of that is the summer and is the fact that people have time to maybe pay attention where, you know, NBA season sometimes it's hard. I mean, you're not going to stay up necessarily to watch a Tuesday night Cavs game when they're in Portland, when you have to get up at 6am to work the next day. Um, sometimes it's a little easier in the summer. Uh, but I, and I think that's, that is the thing. And, and you touched on this earlier, but base, we're going to have a baseball season, right? We just don't know yeah. if it's going to be some stupid farce, like 48 games, although that might actually be kind of fun. Um, <laughs> or if it'll be like 76 or 82 or whatever it'll be. We talked about this, so we don't need to repeat ourselves, but I'm still of the opinion that the novelty is going to wear off kind of quick. I I think it'll be cool, but I don't think it's going to be appointment viewing every night. I I do think when you, when you play every day too, I think that's going to hurt a little bit. I think it's going to be weird with no fans. I think it's going to be weird with, players not in peak shape with teams not really sure. I mean, it's going to be try- a lot of trial and error with strategy, um, especially if it's 48 games. I, I don't know. I, it'll be interesting. I think at first it'll be appointment television, but I wonder, if, especially if it's like 82 games, I wonder if that novelty will wear off and, and it won't certainly won't feel the same as normal. I don't then, know if people I will think, listen to us like they normally would. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, I think, especially if the postseason is so much different than what we t- typically see, I, I think interest will will pick up very quickly for the postseason if it's out of the norm. Anything that's out of the norm drives eyeballs to want to watch it to see if it's going to be cool or if it's a train wreck. Well, and I do think that's, like if that's they what you're expand, yeah, if they expand to eight teams in each league for the postseason, which they should because there's so much variance that can happen in 48 or 82 game regular season. That's going to be fun as hell. <laughs> I mean, it's, and then also like if you're the Indians, I think you feel pretty good about your playoff chances. And then once you get to the playoffs, it's, it's still the same thing where a five, seven game series, like any team can win. Or maybe even three game series. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh I'm interested to see what they do with it. It's clearly going to be different, and different can be fun, especially in a situation like this where maybe there's not that sense that the, the changes that they make here aren't necessarily permanent. So you're not going to have – when they make big changes to the game or even small changes to the game, you get that giant blowback of everyone being nervous about change and then people fighting back and saying change is good. I don't, I don't think you'll have that pushback because everyone kind of understands that this is it's just going to be different. No matter what they do, they can't replicate on a 162-game season. It's, it's just not possible. 
nothing can be done to get back there. And it's, I think it'll make for, but that's what I'm saying. I think because you know, on the back end that it's going to, at least everyone hopes return to some sense of normalcy. And maybe you pick and choose things that you found out you actually liked about a different style of play and, and bring that into the game in 20 in 2021 and beyond. But I think because, you know, because everyone understands that this is, there's nothing you could do. It's, it is what it is. And if you want baseball, this is just the way it's going to be. Maybe you have more open-minded people to those changes and to at least see if, if, adding an extra round or extra teams or, or or maybe a DH in the National League or whatever the case may be, maybe you bring in some more people that would, in other situations, not be as open to change. Yeah. Embrace the weird. I mean, this is it's going to be different, atypical. Embrace it. Wrap your yeah. arms around it. Get used to it. Just go all out. Knowing that uh, everyone's going to look back at 2020 in the, do people still read almanacs? I, mean, I don't even think. <laughs> Just like, Marty McFly. Um, <laughs> sure. And then, like <laughs> everyone knows, 2020 was was abnormal. And so, when yeah. you see 2020 World Series champion Kansas City Royals, I mean, it's you'll remember like that year was batshit crazy. And so it's fine. And I I could not disagree anymore with anyone that says. Well, Indians fans, if the Indians win the World Series this year, they just won't appreciate it. Are, are, you, are you kidding me? Any sort of championship banner that anybody can hang that they're going to love, and especially Indians fans, they don't give a shit if it was a shortened season. or If Cleveland threw a be. parade for an 0-16 football team, they can surely throw a parade <laughs> for a weird season World Series champion team. Yeah, and <clears throat> it... I mean, we're having weird right now with the draft taking place and we haven't even seen games played um, this year. And, and you're having guys coming into minor leagues that I, I don't even know what the minor leagues are going to look like in 2021 and beyond. I don't know what these kids are going to be doing the rest of the year. Uh, but you're seeing the draft take place. And by now, I'm sure everyone has seen that the Indians took Carson Tucker in the first round. They drafted a shortstop. <gasps> Damn. Gasp. You joke, but I logged onto Twitter last night. And that was <laughs> the first two tweets I saw were media members legitimately suggesting that. Uh, well, and first mistake was fair, logging on Scouting Twitter. director, well, yeah. Scouting director Scott Barnsby, one reporter asked if the two had anything to do with each other. So, I mean, <sighs> Here's what I was thinking about. From our perspective, if nobody asks that question, then someone's going to say, nobody asked. If and you never got it on the record, so uh, hey, shut up. We didn't ask it because it was a stupid question, but I could at least understand. Get them on the record to say that it has nothing to do with any of this bullshit. But in reality, come on now. I mean, the Indians have how many talented shortstops already in their system? And last time I checked, if you draft a shortstop, they're starting from a place that's pretty high on the defensive spectrum. What do you know? He can move all around the diamond because he's agile. Didn't Jim Tomey used to play shortstop? I mean, fucking come on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's – well, and the other thing is, like, there were people who legitimately thought that this guy was going to like, first of all, he had his virtual graduation from 
freaking high school three weeks ago, and now you think that they're going to trade Lindor in a couple months, and this 18-year-old <laughs> nugget is going to replace him? <laughs> I mean, he was a year ago. He was he was five foot eleven. He just he's still having growth spurts. Like, come on, he's not ready to take over shortstop yet. Um, oh my god, he is six foot two now, by the way, and showed Logan Allen that he can hit for some power. But like, it, it's it, it's ridiculous. Like, he's you hope that he's ready by twenty twenty four or twenty twenty five, and that's not taking into account the millions of variables that can throw off his his trajectory and that's not also taking account into the 67 shortstops ahead of him in the pipeline like that's that's the other thing is no it's 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 not drafting Carson Tucker that maybe would signal Francisco Lindor's future is going to be elsewhere I mean there are plenty of obvious reasons that's the case but like Tyler Freeman who could be ready at some point in 2021 might that tip you off a little bit, a little more than this guy? Or the fact that they have added just middle infielder after middle infielder on the international market? I mean, they're, they're stocked. This is what they do. Um, and so, no, drafting – like, they drafted three shortstops in their first six picks last year. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, it's not just this. People – that one frustrated me. I have gotten really, really good at – ignoring the illogic and I caved finally. <laughs> oh, thank God you're out there to dispel those notions. Uh, nothing. Uh, the Browns took a quarterback in the first round. So that clearly means that the shortstop in the first round, they're going to be tri- just uh, calm down. W- would I be off base if I said, I know it's not this extreme. But tell me if I am off base. The, the, the scouting department, the people that are, are running the drafts for these teams are so far disconnected from the people that are actually running the team on the field and putting the major league team I'm talking about together that, that there's just like hardly any crossover. No, I mean, the Indians are, I mean, you know it, they're huge on collaboration. I actually asked Scott Barnsby this last night, and I, it was one of those, I'm asking this, I know the answer, but I guess I'll listen to myself yeah, talk. Yeah, put it on the record. Um, they, they all collaborate. And first of all, I, I think, yeah, well, I, no, I guess that's I, not I, what I mean. I just mean that the scouting, the people that are running the draft in the scouting department, they, they're not even freaking focused one second on the major league team. And even when the guy, like the guys that's that they... That's the issue, yeah. The guys that they once drafted and have gotten called up. They like take a split second to be like, cool. And now they're back onto their own jobs. It's like, they barely even can focus on what's going on at the major league. Well, <laughs> they've got so much from a college and high school scouting standpoint, especially this year where there's just, there's so very limited data and, 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 and footage to pour over, that they're not even freaking thinking about who's playing shortstop and second base. 30 seconds in front of their face. Right. So, so that's the thing. And that's, I, I don't know if this is the case for every team. I assume it probably is in baseball. You're just drafting the best player available. And now the best player available. I think everybody has different takes on that because the Indians know what their organizational strengths are. That's where the collaboration comes in. They took the kid Tanner Burns in the, with the 36th pick 
on day one. Um, and like he, he throws like 92, 93, he can get up to 96. But the thing they love about him is that he's obsessed with like talking to coaches and looking at data and trying to find ways to get better. Oh, does that ring a bell? Cause that's exactly how Clevenger started throwing 99. That's how Bieber developed all these other plus pitches. Um, that's what Trevor Bauer has done. That's what Zach Plesak has started to do. So like the, it, it's, it fits the mold of, okay, this is the best player available for us because we know we can pair him with whoever it is, Ruben Niebla or, yeah. you know, was Matt Blake or Cody Bukel, and, and we can get the most out of him via player development. So there's collaboration, but you're right. It's like, it is a step or two removed from the major league team where it's not like they're trying to forecast, okay, well, if we get this guy here, then our 2025 lineup is set. Like, it's that's not <laughs> it at all. And in a no. normal summer, these guys, all the scouts and this, everyone in the department would be, you'd have the draft this week, and then this weekend you'd go to a showcase and you'd start studying the 2021 prospects. You're right. It's, it's kind of ruthless. Like, it's, you're drafting these players. You're tied to them forever. Um, but it's kind of like, well, wake me up in a couple of years. We'll see where he's at. But I'm not really going to give it much thought because I got to think about this 17 year old yeah. kid who's <laughs> playing in this tournament. It's like, just on to the next crazy. thing. Yeah, it's just on to the next thing. And they obviously are not drafting based on on need. The only, I think, the only thing where they where you might see them, I guess the best way I can say is manipulate the board a bit. Um, and maybe shy away from best player available is signability issues yeah. come into play. And then there are times where maybe you see a team get cute and go after someone that maybe is close to uh, an evaluation they have on another prospect, but they know that they can get him below the, the slot. And then they can use that extra money saved on that pick to perhaps chase a guy a little bit later. Uh, you may, maybe around in the next round, they can use that extra money to sign a guy that, would have to sign for overslot. So there, I think there's some manipulation there that you don't see in, in other drafts that just no other sport has to take into account like baseball does. Yeah, and it's certainly different this year because instead of 40 rounds, you have five. So um, <laughs> I'm sure on one hand, I would say, well, those scouts and everyone in the department are probably have a little more energy than they normally do, but now you have to go through the process of trying to sign some of these free agents who weren't drafted and they have to determine, do I go back to school? What's the best move for me? And it's, um, I know the Indians were trying to prepare like recruiting pitches to these guys almost. And, and I know to pitchers, they'll be saying, Hey, we've got as good of a pitching development factory as, as you, as there is in, in the major leagues come to us and we can turn you into something like it, it's, it's so different and so weird. And, um, just such a, a far cry from what they're used to at this time of year. Mm -hmm. Not to mention the fact that they've been doing everything via Zoom. Like it's normally they're the scouts are in town in Cleveland for a couple weeks, and they're hammering all the details out every single day and assembling the big board and all that. And now instead, you're you're doing this over Zoom, and Jimmy has forgot to mute himself, and <laughs> you know Bob didn't take himself off mute and he's trying to give you a scouting report. You've got someone's dog barking in the background and someone can't get their video to, to flip 90 degrees. And, you know, then you got Frank in the corner who's doing all these goofy backgrounds and you're just trying to figure out 
who's number 628 on your big board. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's so different than normal. Um, and I mean, I, everything is, but it's going to be interesting to see who take, who took advantage and yeah. does anyone capitalize maybe more than they would have in a basic 40 round draft. Uh, you were nervous and we were talking numbers seven minutes into this podcast. That we weren't going to be able to fill our normal 45 minutes, but uh, somehow we got past all the Bill Selby talk and ugly uniform numbers to arrive at this point. So congratulations. Yeah, I just want to apologize to Carson Tucker, too. I mean, I, I was like, he's he's bigger than I am, but, you know, he's young. He's a baby. He's got time to develop. <laughs> yeah, he'll, like he'll the, get there. the stories of, uh, oh, like. Uh, his name slips my mind, but you have basketball players that come in as a point guard at five foot 10 and then they come in the next year and they're six foot seven. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's freaking happening to this, these kids right now. So yeah, maybe let's pump the brakes on whether or not he's going to be replacing Francisco Lindor in 10 minutes. You can subscribe to the podcast, Apple podcasts, Google stitcher, Spotify, wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. Of course you can find us at anchor as well. Any parting words for our, for all of our friends out there. No, I appreciate everybody sticking with us and supporting us. Um, I know it hasn't been as routine and scheduled as it normally would be. Um, this is a weird time. I, I, I'm i so much tanner than I normally am because I never get <laughs> to be outside in like athletic clothes during the summer. It's, it's nice in a way. Um, but hopefully we'll have some baseball soon. Hopefully we'll just get a resolution soon. I mean, it's so yes. embarrassing. All these other sports have things sorted out, and it it wasn't an issue. And MLB just loves to get in its own way. I mean, we've been <laughs> saying it for years about various things, and this is just like the most obvious to everybody because of how it's played out in the public. So hopefully we just get – we just want to know what's going to happen. It's, it's like we're watching <laughs> – we're watching like the worst – season of survivor ever but we still need to know who wins so we can't turn away it's frustrating oh this is just filler just a bunch of filler episodes until we get to the meat and potatoes of the season we're out of here everybody see ya